Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome into another edition of the Morning Five podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, and today's podcast is presented by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today, but hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers, with offices in Carrollton and Bremen, personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Today is National Fried Chicken Day. I'm like 90% sure there's nobody out there that dislikes fried chicken. It's one of the greatest things. I'm not a huge fan of like the small bones. Sometimes you get in those like KFC fried chicken things. I hate those. I usually chew through them because they're they're so finicky and annoying. But man, there is nothing better than a massive KFC fried chicken drumstick. I love fried chicken. I love it a little bit too much. I try to avoid it because if anybody comes home with fried chicken in my house, it's gone in an instant. It's one of my favorite meals to eat. Um, I like, I'm a drumstick guy though. Uh, thighs and breasts are okay, but the, the drumstick is just easier. It's just easier and cleaner to eat, and you know, it's you don't don't get all the mess with the thighs and the breasts. I feel like when you eat those, like it's just messy. I feel like a drumstick is a lot cleaner. And you gotta pair, you have to pair fried chicken with like mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. Like it's almost sacrilegious not to pair with something like that. We used to get the um, the KFC bowls. That had like mashed potatoes, fried chicken, corn, macaroni. Like it was all in one bowl and just mix it together. So good. So good. Uh, last night, the Braves beat the Cardinals 7-1. to They jumped out to a really early lead in the game last night. Uh, they were up like 5-1 to before I even flipped it on. Uh, I forgot for some reason. I forgot the game was on last night. And I flipped it on and it was the second inning and they were already up 5-1. to I was like, oh, perfect. This is going to be an easy night tonight. Uh, Riley went... Uh, had three RBIs last night. Matt Olson and Contreras added two RBIs. Ian Anderson worked himself into a lot of jams last night. Gave up eight hits in five innings pitched, but he got out of all the jams, which is nice to see. You don't want to see your pitchers get into jams, but he got himself into the jams and then worked himself out through 61 strikes over 99 pitches, which is fantastic to see. Ian Anderson struck out three, walked one, only gave up one earned run. Uh, so it was good to see Ian get out of those jams that he worked himself in, and he really needed an outing like this. Uh, only one earned run allowed. I mean, that's that's far and away much better than his last outing against Philly. Uh, he went two innings pitched, gave up seven runs, gave up four runs against the Dodgers before that in four innings. Uh, so he needed to get back on the horse and start getting that ERA down. I mean, honestly, the month of June for Ian Anderson – uh, was not very kind to him. About the only Brave that the month of June was not kind to. Gave up five earned runs versus Colorado on the second. Uh, two versus Oakland. That was better on the eighth. And then he gave up four runs to the Nats in the 13th. His best his best outing was against the Cubs on the 19th of June, uh, where he went six and two-thirds, giving up zero earned runs. But this is better. This is better from Ian. Uh, I know the eight hits scare you a little bit. 
Uh, but, you know, the, the earned runs were down, and he got himself out of the jams he got himself into. So that's good. We want to see that from Ian. We want to make sure that this uh, this rotation is firing on all cylinders. One of the other bright spots from last night, Tyler Matzik came back after uh, being injured for a while and doing little rehab stints. Looked pretty good. Looked, had some zip on the ball. Uh, pitched an inning. Didn't allow a hit. No uh, no strikeouts. One walk. But he did pitch well. 22 pitches. 10 strikes. So that's something positive to take away from this game as well as Tyler Matzik is back and looks rather healthy. Uh, something else last night that is just a massive, massive positive. Braves won. Mets lost. We're two and a half back right now. How amazing would it be if the Braves, because I believe the Braves play the Mets later this week. I believe they have a weekend set with them. Uh, uh, it's next week. It's next week, excuse me. So we, we finish up the four-game set with St. Louis uh, on Thursday, and then we have a weekend set with the Nats. How amazing would that be to go into that three-game set with the Mets, July 11th, 12th, and 13th? and either A, already be in first place, or B, be within striking distance of them in that series. I mean, from where we were at the beginning of the season and where the Mets were at the beginning of the season to where we are now, I mean, that has to play mind games on them. You can go into the All-Star break and beat that series, beat the Mets uh, 2-1 in that series or take them 3-0 and sweep them and take the reins of the NL East and be leading the NL East going into the All-Star break. I mean, how much mental damage was that going to do to the Mets? After they thought, I mean, a lot of the pundits up there in New York thought the Mets had this wrapped up and ready to go uh, by mid-May. They didn't think the Braves had any more teeth. So that would be uh, that would be quite an achievement. That would be great to go into the All-Star break with the lead. Uh, we're going to continue our college football preview today with the ACC Coastal Division. Uh, let's look at Wake Forest first. Last year, Wake matched their all-time best record of 11-3. Wake has been playing football since like 1885. Uh, and they tied their best ever record last year in 11-3. That record was set in 2006. Uh, despite losing the ACC championship game, 2021 is hopefully a beacon of things to come for the Demon Deacons. On offense, Wake Forest returns the preseason first-team All-ACC quarterback Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry, who had 71 catches, over 1,200 passing yards, or 1,200 receiving yards, and 15 tuds. Uh, he, he's going to be Hartman's number one target there on the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, they return 9 of 11 starters, but they will need to improve off of, off of a disappointing 2021 campaign, seeing them finish 88th in scoring, 111th in rushing, and 91st in the overall category for defense. So the Demon Deacons are going to have a pretty decent offense returning two of their biggest weapons, but defensively they're going to have to step up if they want to regain a chance to go back to the ACC championship game. NC State, expectations for NC State this year are as high as they've ever been. They're as high as I can remember them, probably since Russell Wilson was at NC State. With multiple seniors taking a COVID year, NC State, this has to be the year that they compete for an ACC title. Quarterback Devin Leary returns to the Wolf Pack on the back of a year where he proved he could be the man, passing for over 3,400 all per, passing for over 3,400 yards, racking up 35 tuds, and only throwing five interceptions. That is fantastic. No matter what benchmark you're going off of, that's a fantastic. I mean, a 35 to five interception to touchdown ratio is nuts. Uh, despite the insane amount of injuries NC State suffered on defense. Uh, I feel like everybody on their entire defense at one point had COVID. It was so weird. 
Um, they used an immense amount of depth and finished second in the ACC in points allowed and in the top 30 in the nation in takeaways. I don't know how they did that because I feel like every single weekend there was a new report coming out that the NC State Wolfpack were suffering four, five, six more COVID cases. It was all on the defense. It was just on the defense for some reason. Uh, and add together more you know, other injuries that just kind of accumulate during the season. I seriously don't know how NC State accomplished those defensive goals last year with the amount of injuries they had. All right, let's look at the Clemson Tigers. A 10-3 season last year can only be called disappointing for the Tigers. It's funny when you say 10-3, you know, most teams would take that. But Clemson, man, that was that was one of the most disappointing years in a while. Dabo Swinney looks to get DJ Uolunglele back on track in the Tigers on top. He'll need to be much improved off his 55.6 passing completion rating from last year, good for 98th in the country, and his yards per game, which were 103rd in the country. The Tigers do return all three running backs from last year in four of the five offensive line positions, so look for them to lean on the experience on that side of the ball, handing it off to those experienced running backs and making sure those big hog mollies up front clear a way for them to run, taking some of the pressure off of DJ. Uh, As bad as the offense was, the defense was complete opposite. The Brett Venables Uh, Led defense finished second in the nation in scoring, seventh in rushing, and eighth overall in yards per game. Uh, The Tigers return a slew of defensive linemen who will all compete for all ACC honors. At defensive end, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, KJ Henry, and Justin Maskell are all starter-level players. At defensive tackle, Tyler Davis and Brian Breesey are two of the best in the entire country, while Rook Orojoro, Trey Williams, Peyton Page will provide depth. This has the chance to be the best defensive front Clemson has ever had. They're going to have to deal with Brett Venables uh, leaving to go to Oklahoma as the head coach, but I I think this is the most talented defense in the entire nation, and I think this could be Clemson's best ever defense. They just have to have a, a mediocre offense, essentially. Just give me a mediocre offense, and this defense will lead you to a ton of victories this year. Moving on to the Louisville Cardinals, after earning ACC Coach of the Year Award in 2019, Satterfield has suffered consecutive losing seasons. The Cardinals have lost three straight rival games to Kentucky by a combined 109 points. Recruiting sagged with a class that ranked outside the top 50. Staff turnover has been persistent, and the Cardinals failed to sell out any games last year. It is not looking great for the Louisville Cardinals up there. The offense is led by fourth-year quarterback Malik Cunningham, who improved his turnover, his touchdown-to-turnover ratio quite a bit last year, uh, ending at a 19 touchdowns for five interceptions. Jalen Mitchell and Tyon Evans will share time in the backfield, which finished 22nd in the nation in rushing yards. They will lean heavily, heavily on that backfield, and they return three of their five offensive linemen starters from last year. So this will be a run-heavy offense. The defense will be the card's weakest point. This team allowed over 2,000 rushing yards and 3,000 passing yards last year. Second team All-ACC linebacker Yasir Abdullah will need a lot of help if they hope to improve that. That defense, the Louisville Cardinals defense, is horrendous. It's terrible. It's probably, it, it's got to be this, probably the second worst in the ACC. Uh, Now moving on to FSU. Can FSU ever return to the glory days? Mike Norvell is certainly hoping so. Dual threat quarterback Jordan Travis looks to improve quite a bit off of a season 
uh, that saw the same that saw them finish 94th in the nation in passing yards. That's not that's not what you want out of the Seminoles. Uh, the defense wasn't much better for FSU, finishing 68th in scoring, 74th in passing, and 66th in yards per game overall yards per game given up on the defense. I don't see this team improving quite a bit this year. I don't see them improving hardly at all. In fact, I think they might be worst. Uh, I, I just I, I like too many other squads in the ACC to see FSU actually making a push and trying to get to the ACC championship game. I think that's a pipe dream. Uh, next, we're going to look at Syracuse. Syracuse might be might have the best season Dino Babers has ever had for the Orangemen this season. I really like their roster makeup and their maturity. The offense is led by quarterback Garrick Schrader and All-American running back Sean Tucker. The pair combined for over 2,200 rushing yards last year and looks to continue that success this year. Uh, on defense, Caleb Okunchukwe, Terry Lockett, and Steve Linton led an undersized and underwhelming defense that could rival Clemson's offense as the worst unit in the ACC. Syracuse's defense needs to improve immensely this season if they have a chance of competing for the ACC title. I think that offense is definitely talented enough to drag them through some games where they're undersized, um, but I don't I don't think the defense is going to be serviceable enough to where they could win the ACC championship. I think Syracuse is going to be much improved. I think the Syracuse football fans are going to have a chance to cheer for a team that is going to be in and compete for multiple, multiple games. Uh, but I, I don't believe they'll be in the ACC championship game, uh, but they will be a competitive squad. You cannot overlook them. Uh, next, we're going to look at the Boston College Eagles. The Eagles returned 18 of 22 starters last year, but ultimately ended up at the bottom of the Coastal and 2-6 and six in the conference. The 2022 season doesn't look much better for the Eagles. The offense ranked outside the top 100. In, in, in the NCAA in passing and overall yards last year, and they were dead last in scoring and rushing in the ACC. Just terrible. Just terrible. They're trying to look back and remember the glory days of old Mr. Matt Ryan. Boston College's pass defense, led by Josh Berry and strong safety Jaden Woodby, uh, was, was about the only bright spot on that Eagles team last year, uh, finishing third in the NCAA in passing yards allowed. Boston College is probably the worst team in the ACC. They're going to continue this year. They're not going to compete for anything. They're not going to compete for a bowl game, ACC championship. Uh, it, it looks bleak. It looks very bleak up there in Boston College for that football team. All right, let's move on to our Hawks Summer League preview. We have Summer League games coming up just in three days. It kicks off this Saturday. Uh, the first game is Saturday at 7.30 against the Utah Jazz. Uh, and then Monday, 7-11. The Hawks versus Pelicans at 6 p.m. And then Tuesday on the 12th, the Hawks and the Miami Heat at 7 p.m. And then Thursday, the Hawks and the Spurs at 3 p.m. I'm not sure if any of these games are going to be televised. They might be on NBA TV. Uh, I doubt they are going to have a radio broadcast or anything like that. But I, I know usually they, um, they televise a lot of these on NBA TV. So if you have NBA TV... Tune in and see what the roster is going to look like. See what some of these young guns do out there. In uh, Where do they have the Summer League? Is it Vegas? I think it's Vegas. But out there in the Summer League. A couple of the roster spots that I'm going to be looking at for the Hawks this year. Sharif Cooper. Interested to see what that young man can do. Marcus Georges Hunt, uh, the kid out of Georgia State. I'll be interested to see him. A.J. Griffin, obviously the first round draft pick that we got out of Duke. And then Tyrese Martin. 
uh, I'll be interested to hear, um, or I'll be interested to see what those four guys do this year in the Summer League. Uh, there's about 13 people on this roster that are vying for probably two spots on the Hawks roster right now. So it'll be interesting to see who emerges as one of the frontrunners. So tune in for that. Next week we'll have that also on the uh, Stump It uh, games and events when those games are coming up. Let's head over to the Marine South scoreboard and check on how the MLB East did last night. Marlins beat the Angels 2-1. And as you guys know already, the Reds beat the Mets 1-0. Good job, Reds. And the Phils beat the Nats 11-0 last night. So we need the Mets to keep losing. Keep losing. Reds keep winning. Mets keep losing. Braves keep winning. Let's, let's get within striking distance. Let's get within striking distance of the Mets in that series we have with them on the 11th, 12th, and the 13th. That way we can pass them. I'd love that. Uh, let's head over to the games and events calendar tonight presented by Stump It, Stump Grinding in West Georgia. Uh, Braves and Cards tonight, Freed on the bump. That is a 7 o'clock first pitch. Unfortunately, the game is on ESPN, so you guys know what to do. Go ahead and turn on 680 The Fan on your Alexa. Watch the game on TV, but mute it. Do not listen to the crappy announcers we have to listen to on ESPN. I refuse to. Uh, Marlins versus Angels is tonight. Reds versus Mets and Phils versus Nats. Hopefully those Reds can keep winning, keep those Mets losing. I'm telling you, man, if we can get within striking distance of the New York Mets in that series we have with them next week, oh, man, I'm going to be ecstatic. Let's head over to another cup of coffee. I need one this morning. I have already drank one pot. I've been up for a while for some reason. Couldn't sleep last night, so I've been downing coffee for the past two hours. Uh, the Big Ten is still looking to add more teams after USC and UCLA joined last week. Uh, there's more reports that have emerged this week about other teams they are looking to add. Notre Dame is at the top of the list. Uh, Oregon and Iowa State are also on that list. And a name that has floated around that is not in the official uh, I guess it's not official. It's just leaks. It's just rumors. Uh, Clemson apparently is also one of the rumors floating around that the Big Ten has been fielding calls from. So interesting to see what the college football landscape looks like in you know five, six years from now because Texas and Oklahoma go into the SEC, UCLA, USC go into the Big Ten, possibly more teams. It's it's going to be the Big Ten versus the SEC. I mean, that's that's essentially what it's shaping up to be. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder rookie Chet Holmgren dazzles in his debut, sets NBA Summer League record. Uh, well, that's you know, I, that's kind of to be expected, right? Like Chet Holmgren was a good college player, and playing in the Summer League is essentially college players, so you would expect him to play well. Uh, he had, I believe, he had five blocks last night and went like four for six from the three-point line. So I, you know, it, it's to be expected. I still don't think Chet Holmgren is going to be a good NBA player. He's going to have to put on a ton of weight or he's going to get thrown around in the paint. But good for Chet. Good for Chet throwing up. So, throw, showing out in the Summer League. Uh, Max Scherger, Scherzer strikes out 11. Doesn't surrender a run in his return to the Mets. Unfortunately, the Mets lineup, unfortunately for them, fortunate for us, the, the Mets couldn't muster a single run. Zero runs last night. So good job out of Max for pitching well. Better job out of the Reds for allowing zero runs out of the Mets. Uh, Boston University researchers say that late NFL star wide receiver Demarius Thomas had degenerative brain disease, CTE. We're seeing this more and more out of a lot of the NFL stars that 
are gone too early that they examine their brain and yeah, there is a link there with CTE. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people get frustrated about the way the league is going now and the way football is going now, but you know, it's all, it's all to make the league safer, which I am all for, you know, it's, it's, you, you gotta have to protect these players and the, the rules that are in place now. I know it's not great. I know it looks a lot different than the football we grew up with, but it, it boils down to safety and you want these players to play a sport that is not safe but you want them to play it as safe as possible so it's the duality of football i mean it's a it's a collision sport and it's <laughs> terribly unsafe but you want them to play it as safely as possible and then today in 1939 luke gehrig is the first mlb player to have his number four retired on his appreciation day at yankee stadium and he makes the iconic luckiest man speech and if nobody has ever heard the luckiest man speech i highly encourage everyone to go back and listen to it lou gehrig was the yin to babe ruth yang uh babe ruth, babe ruth was pretty famously a drinking womanizer kind of a pos type of guy and lou gehrig was the complete opposite family man upstanding citizen uh he was a he was a great guy if nobody's heard that luckiest man speech i highly highly suggest you go back and listen that's all we have today for the podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. I'm trying to think of what we got coming up. We got the ACC. We got the other half of the ACC preview tomorrow. We will look at the Braves. I don't think Atlanta United has any games this week. I think they have a Saturday game. Uh, so we might be looking into uh, maybe a little bit more of the Hawks roster. Or we might start previewing some of the Falcons stuff this year. Some of the big questions in the Falcons docket. Because, man, this is the last month of the year that we do not have football. Next month. Football starts high school and then college and the NFL, and I'm stoked, man. I can't wait for football to start. I'm a huge baseball fan, huge basketball fan, sort of a hockey fan, love soccer. Football season is the best time of the year. But for Billy Lindahl, who couldn't make it this morning, I am Bryce Sparling. We will see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbors! Just shake them! Shake your neighbors!